welcome in, everybody. It is good to have you back. This is the Wag Me Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Garini, joined by my co-host, Nick Musto. Nick, it's great to have you back in. Yeah, been about a week or week and a half since I've been able to be back recording a podcast for us. Um, gonna be weird. This is the first time all summer that we haven't uh, been able to film the podcast together. I know. So I'm at school in the new revamp podcast studio. We are actually using technology instead of in my spare bedroom. Um, so Nick and I are virtually recording together. I'd say it's been longer than a week and a half, yo. I mean, you I was in yeah. New York, you were in Montana. It's been a long time since we've been in here together. It has been a while now that I think about it. I mean, we tried, we were having some technical difficulties last week when we tried to get together to film, so made it feel a little bit shorter, I guess. But yeah, the weeks have gone on. Nonetheless, we're pumped to be back in here. Frankly, the show's not the same without you, buddy. I tried doing one myself, and... Uh, I wouldn't say it was hell, but it wasn't fun at all. Um, I like having fun with you talking through this. So, again, I'm elated to be back here. Yeah, me too. Okay. Let's follow. Yeah. We're, Let's do our socials. We're talking about our- socials first. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok. Follow us at Wagme Fantasy. Don't forget, visit our website, wagmefantasy.com. Subscribe to our newsletter. Winning with Wagme. Nick, what do we call it? The New York Times of Fantasy Football. Yes, sir. We'll be having waiver wire pickups each week. Trade targets, buy low, sell high. Um, what else? Start them, sit them. And some opinion columns throughout the year to keep you fresh, updated, and ahead of your league. Without further ado, what are we doing today, Nick? We're going to be talking about our breakouts for the 2022 fantasy football season and also a few busts. Yep, and hope, to get hopefully hopefully you haven't drafted yet because, I mean, it is six days away from game one. We have the Rams and Bills kicking off the season next Thursday. Uh, I, for one, still have fantasy drafts. I, I draft my big league tomorrow. We had our Wag Me Warzone draft this past week. Um, so I guess what would your advice be to those who already drafted and we uh, mentioned their players' names here in this episode? Uh, try and trade for these guys <laughs> or trade away some of the busts that you may already possess on your team. Um, I'm not a fan of doing preseason trades, but if you really see an issue in your roster, your draft day was rough, you were taken off guard by some of your league mates' picks, it's not the worst idea to just Throw some names out there, see what you can get in return. I, I too, am against preseason trades. But, yeah, I'll, I'll just bring up my own experience in our Wagme Warzone draft in the third round. Josh Allen came, dropped to me at the 307, and, frankly, he was never there um, in the 150 mocks that I did from that spot. So I felt the necessity to take him. Um, looking back at it, that, that was probably a mistake, and currently I'm shopping around to see how I can improve my well-rounded lineup. Come to me. Yeah, we'll see. I, I don't like trading with you. I don't like doing business. <laughs> Let's get into our breakouts. Who is your top dog this year? Who is the breakout you have your eyes set on in your draft? Uh, so a name that's been brought up a lot throughout the fantasy football industry, Cortland Sutton, uh, going as the 49th player off the board, 19th receiver. So, very beginning of fifth round. 
he is poised to have an absolute breakout season. Russell Wilson comes to town. Broncos country. Let's ride. <laughs> Only wide receiver on the team to have a good season in his past. Uh, Jerry Judy has yet to show that he can perform at an NFL level. Jerry, uh, and uh, Cortland Sutton has had an 1,100-yard year. Um, he he tore his ACL, came back last year, surprised us with how well he actually performed on the field. And now he comes in to be Russell Wilson's number one. Russell Wilson, a prolific deep ball passer. And Colton Sutton with one of the highest ADOTs in the league. Sec- I can't think sec- of a better parent. Second highest uh, to second. put a precise measurement, 15.7 yards yeah. of depth per target. I'm all in on Cortland Sutton with you. He was one of my breakouts I highlighted in one of the previous WAGME, uh, winning with WAGME newsletters. Um, again, I don't think this is a Sutton or Judy contest. I feel like Russell Wilson can support both. But if I do have to pick one, I'm all in on Cortland Sutton. He imposes much larger of a threat to defenses, especially without Tim Patrick's big body on the perimeter. I feel like Sutton's red zone usage is going to go through the roof this year. I'm glad you brought up Tim Patrick because with him on the team, I think that him and Sutton are the two main deep threats. Um, but now without Patrick, you, you bring in the smaller KJ Hamler. Yeah, he's super fast and um, getting behind defenses, but he doesn't offer the physical presence that Patrick does. And we've seen from Russell Wilson, like, yeah, Tyler Lockett's not the biggest guy, but he likes his larger receivers like a DK Metcalf or even a Doug Baldwin. Um, So I really like Sutton this season. Yeah. I do too. I'm going to flip it over to the quarterback position for my first fantasy football breakout. And this is someone that I feel like the whole fantasy football community views as polarizing. Um, Some people claim he's number one. You know, he's a top five quarterback this year no if ands or buts other people think he's going to be a bust i've been neutral all off season but as we get to week one trey lance is going to be a qb1 all season long there's nobody that really matches his upside he enters year two as san francisco's commander of the offense um, that year of development underneath jimmy g definitely benefits himself Trey Lance posted a 5-2 to two touchdown to interception ratio in the limited fashion he played during his rookie year. Um, he really only played significant time in three games, and he ran the ball 31 times for 161 yards in those games. That's why Trey Lance is my breakout of the year. That's why nobody can match him his upside. There's, I think he's the only quarterback that can launch a 60-plus yard deep ball and also beat the secondary with his legs. Um, he has an elite receiving trio, trio with Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. I, I really like San Francisco's offense as a whole. Kyle Shanahan has that offense designed for the quarterback benefit. I mean, if Jimmy Garoppolo can post league-leading marks and yards per attempt, uh, I'm confident Trey Lance can as well. If Lance replicates what Jimmy G did through the air and adds that onto his rushing ability, I mean, you're talking about 500 rush yards, perhaps five touchdowns throughout the year. He could be a top five quarterback. I, I throw myself in that hype train group. Um, he's going at QB 13. I think he's a league winning pick, especially in a one QB league. 
if you wait until the double-digit rounds. Trey Lance is a guy that has the highest ceiling out of anybody in this quarterback class. So I agree the value for Trey Lance is just undeniable. He can be great with the rushing upside, and he's going around quarterbacks that don't really offer that, such as um, like a Stafford or Cousins or a Carr. Like that's the range that he's going in right now, um, ADP at least. You got really have to look at who you're drafting with and understand that he may go up higher if you're playing with someone who really wants Trey Lance. Um, but something important to do with Trey Lance, I think, I got my first share of him last night in my final redraft of the year. Um, I took Joe Burrow along with Trey Lance. I, that may sound crazy because you have to pay a lot for Joe Burrow, but I didn't. He actually fell to the 10th round, and that's where I got Joe Burrow. He's the last, um, yeah, so I, I couldn't pass up on Burrow there. And then I took Lance immediately after that. So I took two quarterbacks back-to-back. Um, I have Lance for the upside. Hopefully he explodes, and I can uh, trade Burrow. Quarterbacks usually don't have too much trade value in one-quarterback leagues, but uh, someone might bite on Burrow just because of the name, and who knows, he could also have, be having a great season. Um, so I just think like maybe you don't get a Burrow, but you get a Cousins with a Trey Lance. You really want a safer backup for the risky, boom-bust, potentially rookie quarterback. I, I I really like that you mentioned that strategy because that's one that I discussed with you early on in the offseason. Um, I've, I've been adamant that it, it's appealing from a 1QB league perspective. I mean, you can, you can go back-to-back rounds without waiting until the 10th round and get a guy with high upside like Trey Lance or Justin Fields, if you will. Um, but then you can come back around and combine that with Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr or even Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that man's slipping as well. Um, nonetheless, you get that veteran stability, the high floor quarterback, maybe low ceiling. And then you also get an alternative that um, can truthfully win you a league. And that's what I'm shooting for in the double-digit rounds. I want to try and hit a home run here. I'm not looking for singles and doubles anymore. Hmm. So does it concern you at all that Jimmy G was signed to a deal with a no-trade clause? But No. Uh, I think no. San Francisco was pretty much stuck with him. Uh, they really folded waiting all offseason to try and ship him. I mean, they could have beaten beat Cleveland sending their former starting quarterback to Carolina, um, or they could have finangled something with Seattle early on. But I feel like Kyle Shanahan understands that there's going to be growing pains. Trey Lance is also a vulnerable quarterback to he's susceptible for health concerns since he takes off with his legs so many times just in case I mean I I feel like Jimmy G's the best insurance you can get in the league and frankly it's that sort of roster construction in the NFL that makes a great team great I agree I think there's a chance that they could lean to Jimmy G if things go poorly with Lance but it's not something that I'm projecting Neither am I. Uh, speaking of San Francisco, you have a breakout in there as well. I do. Um, someone I've talked about in every single episode we filmed, I feel like Elijah Mitchell going as the 50th player off the board, beginning of the fifth round again, just like my previous breakouts, Cortland Sutton, RB22. The team just waived Trey Sermon and Jamichael Hasty. They trust him. That means they're giving the backup role to an old Jeff Wilson, a young 
Ty Davis Price, and um, the fourth string guy is eluding me. Um, Jacob something. He, he's an undrafted free agent this year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's not much of a chance he plays, but you never know with the 49ers, I guess. But um, I think these moves that they made, releasing Sermon and Hasty, uh, speaks to their trust that they have in Elijah Mitchell. If he can stay healthy, I, I think that the world is his oyster. He can have a great season. He had 963 yards in 11 games last year. Uh, first Niners running back with 17-plus carries since um, he had like six games with 17-plus yep. carries. Sorry, that was a stat. Um, and a young Lance could uh, lean on him for dump downs, uh, bail him out because he may not be able to read the defense deep as well. And there you have Elijah Mitchell sitting there uh, three yards away for an easy six-yard gain, maybe a first down. Um, Mitchell suffered in the receiving game last year. That was a bit uh, – Jermichael Hasty came in and, and really took advantage of that role. But now with him gone and a rookie quarterback – well, second-year quarterback, I could see – Mitchell eating more into the pass receiving game and also getting more carries just because the depth behind him isn't as good as it was last year. Yeah, I mean, I, a lot of people, I've heard a lot of analysts state that, oh, Elijah Mitchell doesn't have any receiving upside. Um, he was really relying on high volume last year. I don't care about that because I, I think that receiving uh, aspect of their argument is complete bullshit. I mean, Jeff Wilson has never caught more than 13 balls in a season. Um, he's entering his fifth year in the league. TDP, the rookie out of LSU, Tyron Davis-Price, he has 28 career receptions in college. I believe Elijah Mitchell is a three-down back in this offense. Um, I think he warrants that high volume, especially if, if he's your RB2. I, I'm super comfortable. I mean, you know, you see me. In the Wagney Warzone draft, I warned you, you would have to reach in order to get Elijah Mitchell, and he fell into my lap, and I'm completely comfortable with that man. I agree with you. He's a breakout star. Um, I think this saga of San Francisco running backs, a, a new one leading the team in rushing production each year, that's over. Elijah Mitchell put that to rest. Um, and the releases of Hasty and Sermon also give me the confidence to measure Elijah Mitchell. I'm all in. Um, I think he's a high-end RB2 at the worst. Yeah, he was one of my guys all season. I finally got him last night in my last draft as my RB2. Um, yeah, when you took him ahead of me, I was punching the air. I really wanted him. But I, I, had to, I had to adapt. I knew it was coming. I, I tried warning you. I told you. Um, <laughs> The sermon got released about six hours prior to our draft. I I told Nick like hinting you're gonna have to reach if you want him because I I knew my positioning right there. At least you gave me fair warning. Hey, I'm I'm courteous. I'm going to, move a, on to you. yep. I'm going to another running back in that territory, um, fifth to sixth round fringe area, uh, perhaps late fourth. That's what I think he easily warrants. That's A.J. Dillon out of Green Bay. Entering year three, um, this, his second year in the league was just a glimpse of what kind of force he could become. He led Green Bay in a, with 187 rush attempts, 803 yards, five scores on the ground. Um, this year, I do firmly believe A.J. Dillon is going to widen that gap between Aaron Jones and himself in the rushing category. 
Uh, you look at Green Bay's offense, there's no Devontae Adams, no MVS. The receivers are bare. Aaron Jones is one of the most electric playmakers with the ball in his hands. He's one of the best receiving backs in the league. I believe Aaron Jones is going to line up out wide in the slot um, much more than we anticipate. I mean, there's beat reports from training camp stating that that's consistent with what we think. Um, Aaron Jones is going to be taking snaps out wide. That gives A.J. Dillon a firm grip of this backfield. Um, I believe they're the two best playmakers in Aaron Rodgers' offense. They're going to touch the ball far more frequently than anybody else. A.J. Dillon touched the ball on 46% of his snaps last year. That's how highly used he was when he was on the field. Um, they don't waste that man when he comes on. Six foot or six plus, um, 250 pounds. This bulldozing back is going to field much more. Um, he's going to receive the ball much more this year. Uh, his volume is going to go over 200 carries for the year. Last year, he had 34 receptions off of an amazing 37 targets. So that's what, 91%? catch rate yeah. uh, um he was top 12 in red zone touches last year with 46 he's the goal line back he's definitely going to finish better that he's going to crush his adp at rb25 he's someone that i'm willing to take as my rb2 gladly in the fourth to fifth round i'll take him over josh jacobs Brees hall antonio gibson um probably jk dobbins and elijah mitchell even i really like aj Dillon this year I think he's a force. I think he's going to be be used much more. Um, he's going to be much more involved in this offense, and he's a great playmaker nonetheless. See, I wouldn't go as far as to say I'd take him over Dobbins, Mitchell, and Hall, but um, I could see him going above, above guys like Jacobs, Etienne, um, David Montgomery, Hunt for sure. Yeah. Uh... Uh, it's I don't know, not David Montgomery. They they finish eerily similar in my projections. Uh, that's a good cutoff, though, right there. I I like the um the receiving upside that we saw last year. Thirty four receptions. However, most of those came in a game where Aaron Jones wasn't active, and Aaron Jones is going to be the wide receiver one for this team. Did you see the quote Randy Moss said in an interview? No, he say said. Jones is the best wide receiver in the league. The reporter said Julio, and he said no, the maniac in Green Bay. Wow. So I think that that is high praise coming from Randy Moss, um, possibly the best receiver of all time, saying that Aaron Jones, a running back, is the best receiver in the NFL. Um, I think that Aaron Jones caps his uh, receiving upside this season. Unless Aaron Jones misses time, Dylan will not see much in the receiving game. He will definitely, I think, take the majority of carries. And that is beneficial. He'll get more goal line work possibly, but I don't see him getting more red zone work. I think Dylan doesn't come in until they're like on the three yard line. So I think his ceiling is capped. Aaron Jones is an electric running back, but I do love him this year. He's one of the best like late round dead zone running back sleepers you can grab uh, going right there around to Kareem Hunt. So he's very cheap as well. So I do like the pick. I think both will be on the field a lot together. Um, if Aaron Jones is out wide running routes as a receiver, who's in the backfield? That's A.J. Dillon. Um, that's how I view it. That's how I think it's going to unfold. I think he improves off of his mark of 34 receptions last year, not by a lot, um, maybe on par with that figure 
Um, you are right that the majority of that receiving production came in the absence of Aaron Jones. Um, but let's just back up and say if Aaron Jones goes down, AJ Dillon's a top five running back all of a sudden. Um, you can make yeah. that you can make that argument with a lot of running backs, I suppose. Um, but it's definitely true for AJ Dillon. Aaron Jones has a history of nagging injuries, and that's something you have to consider when weighing his stock. Um, I'm not counting on Aaron Jones to get injured. I think A.J. Dillon has great standalone value. I think 900 rushing yards, eight touchdowns, and, oh, another 30 catches is definitely going to flush him into the top 20 running backs for the year. Yeah, I could see that happening, turning out that way as well. Um, I'm going to move on to my next guy, Gabe Davis. Uh, my last breakout for this episode, ADP, 68th off the board, middle of the sixth round. He's going as the wide receiver, 28. Um, someone in our Wagney Warzone podcast, or Wagney Warzone draft um, episode said it best, the wide receiver one can't do it all, and that's where I see Gabe Davis filling in very well. Um, he could be an exceptional wide receiver, too. I've heard so many times he hasn't had a 600-yard season. Well, he's been in the league for two years, and he was behind a veteran, Emmanuel Sanders, um, Cole John, Beasley. You can't forget John Brown. No, John Brown was a great receiver in his time in the build. Um, so there, Cole Beasley as well. Isaiah McKenzie is on the team. There was, there was a crowded receiving room. Now there's no Beasley, no Sanders. Gabe Davis has been raved about in camp. Um, I He had a breakout last year in the playoffs, 201 yards, eight catches, four touchdowns. We've all heard the stat line. Um, I, obviously, I don't project him to have any weeks like those, but the explosive weeks are there for him. Um, going as late as the sixth round is such a steal, too, potentially as your wide receiver three or four. Um, I think that the guy is just stealing this season. Um, he's, the breakout is ensuing and the vacated targets will just boost him into the ne- that next echelon, I believe. I I don't know how I feel about Gabe Davis. I feel like everybody's too ahead of themselves with him, but on the same time, I look at the snap shares in Buffalo over the last two years. That other split-end position across from Stephon Diggs is on the field just as much as Diggs is. Um, you saw when Sanders was out last year, Gabe Davis played an 85 percent plus snaps each week I feel like Gabe Davis is in a great opportunity he's one of the best red zone receivers um, over the past two years I do agree there's a shit ton of upside I want to see it to believe it though I'm one of those that is skeptical towards him I feel like um, Khalil Shakir right behind him who's to say that Khalil Shakir isn't the new Gabe Davis and Gabe Davis isn't the new Emmanuel Sanders you know what I'm saying Possibly. I, I, I think that we can say it because the Bills have showed it, that Gabe Davis is the Gabe Davis. I like Buffalo's offense. You need a slice of it. It's one of the most high-powered offenses in the league. Gabe Davis is going right around where oh, Michael Thomas is. Perhaps. Let me, yeah, let me give you a couple receivers and you that, that, that are going around him, and you tell me who you take. Okay. Uh, Amon Ra going four picks before him. I'll take Amon Ra. Adam Thielen, one pick after. Oof. Thielen. 
Amari Cooper, three picks before him. Definitely Gabe Davis, no doubt. Darnell Mooney, four picks after. You know Darnell's my guy. <laughs> Juju, five picks after him. Gabe Davis. Okay, so it's about fifty th- fifty with the guts going around it. I think he belongs in that threshold. Um okay. I've I've been seeing his ADP float up towards wide receiver twenty four. I don't like that. Um, I'd rather take him towards wide receiver 32 than 24. Um, but we are talking about breakouts. We are talking about upside here. He's got one of the highest ceilings in the league. Think of what would happen if Stephon Diggs went down. Now, that's another um, hypothetical that is perhaps bullshit. I mean, Diggs has a great injury history track. Um, doesn't get injured very often. But just think of what kind of opportunity Gabe Davis has already as the wide receiver, two in Buffalo's offense, and then what he could gain from that. It would be league-breaking if they went down. I agree. Um, so I'm in between two receivers for my last breakout. So I'm going to do them both real quick. Um, Darnell Mooney, we, we just mentioned his name. He's my guy. Um, like Elijah Mitchell for Nick. Darnell Mooney has been the guy that I try to talk about every episode because I love him so much. Um, listen, he had. I'm going to keep it concise. I say this every time. 140 targets last year, 11th most in the league. No Allen Robinson. Uh, Nikhil Harry went down. Uh, Byron Pringle's hurt. You know, who the heck is going to catch the ball in Chicago? Um, it's M- Mooney's receiving core, and that's it. Justin Fields and Mooney are entering their second year together. Both showed promise last year. I mean, both are high-potential players. They have a new coaching staff. The coaching staff is going to lean on their best playmakers. Weapons are scarce in this offense. Mooney's clear-cut the most dangerous playmaker. Sub-4-4 speed, um, impressive route tree. He can, he can do it all. The young duo between him and Fields is going to develop and grow. They're going to count on each other a lot for their success on the field. I'm elated to see Darnell Mooney still going around, Gabe Davis around, Adam Thielen, because I'm going to reach for him around early every time. He finished as wide receiver 23 last year. I think he's a top 15 wide receiver, um, if you want my honest opinion. He's my wide receiver 19. Um, I do believe it's an efficient, inefficient duo, rather, because it's a hyper-target system um, between the two. Justin Fields isn't the most accurate as well. That's the pitfall. That's what's keeping Darnell Mooney outside of my top 15. Um, I love the two, though. So I I understand everything you're saying. It all makes sense. Uh, the upside for Mooney should be there. I don't disagree with it. But every time I get into that section of the draft with the receivers going around him, I never pull the trigger on him. I don't like the offense. I think I know why. Scares me. I think I know why. Why is that? It's because Darnell Mooney only scored five times last year, and I don't know if Chicago is going to score five times this year as a as an <laughs> entire <laughs> offense. <laughs> the offense and Justin Fields. I love Justin Fields, but it just hasn't looked great. He doesn't look great in camp. He looks okay, and it's scary. It is scary to me. I'm going to count but on But I it. understand all your reasoning. Yep. I, I believe the volume's there to um, – Make Mooney very attractive to me. I'm going to go over to my other breakout. This is a guy that I'm reaching for. I took him in the sixth round. His ADP was in the eighth round. Um, He's someone that I want on my team. 
in most leagues um, if, if the price is right. But again, I have him priced way above consensus. This is the year of Alan Lazard. He is, you said Aaron Jones is Rodgers wide receiver one. No, it's Alan Lazard. Um, he has the most targets returning on the team other than Aaron Jones. Um, so perhaps that's not the best argument to thrush Lazard <laughs> over Jones. But nonetheless, the, the number one receiver for Aaron Rodgers has seen a minimum of a 20% target share every year over the past decade. The first ballot Hall of Famer and Aaron Rodgers leans heavily on familiar options. Rookies just don't cut it for him. He does not mess with rookies. Uh, MVS had the most targets as a rookie for Rodgers with 73. Um, Despite three rookies being drafted, none will surpass Lazard in the pecking order. Lazard had eight touchdowns off of just 40 receptions last year. He had 16, an impressive 16 red zone targets. Um, that ranked pretty high. You got to think that's over 25% of his targets from last year. He's got a 6'5 frame, large catch radius, great blocking receiver. He's going to be on the field nearly all times. He's the number one wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. That is all you need to know. He's an, uh, he's an elite red zone option. Not just a good one, not just a great one, an elite one. Few players can match his frame, catch radius, um, body control. You saw in Iowa State, you know, six years ago now, <laughs> he was one of the he was he's one of the best college receivers I've ever seen. Now he's entering year five. He's still only twenty six. Um, many people are counting on, not counting on a breakout in his fifth year. I am. Uh, the opportunities there. Green Bay, listen, Aaron Rodgers is throwing him the ball. That's I, I've said this seven times now on this podcast alone. That's all you need to know. He's the top target for Aaron Rodgers. I love it. He's a top 24 wide receiver in my eyes. Uh, so my thing with Alan Lazard, I love him this year as well. Um, my issue is I don't see the target share necessarily being very high. Um, I see him being the main touchdown guy. I Double-digit touchdowns I think is probable because That's great. Aaron Rodgers is to be down there. I agree. But I think the yards are caps. I don't think there's that much upside for yards. Um, LaFleur in a recent interview, I think it was yesterday said that, um, they plan on spreading the ball around a lot in the receiving core. Um, so I don't think they're planning on going in with Lazard as a true, like alpha, you know, 23, 25% target share. I think 20 is the ceiling and that's okay. That's definitely something if you get 20% target share and, and 11 touchdowns from a guy you're getting in what the, what rounds are you going in? Set, the six, eighth, really. I mean, that's where his eighth ADP round? is. Okay. All right. Yeah. Here's where I have. Yeah. Here's where I have the Green Bay Packers offense unfolding in my projections. A little slower pace, one play less per game. They're passing the ball, one point seven percent less. Um, more similar to twenty twenty than twenty twenty one. Alan Lazard is seeing a nineteen point four target uh, share out of the offense he's gonna see which would equate to 110 targets um that's it again under 20 percent 7.7 touchdowns 916 yards 73 receptions 214 total fantasy points good enough for wide receiver 28 in my projections i feel like i'm being modest there the upside is still there in my projections 
I think, yeah, that's a good projection. I think that is kind of close to his ceiling. I could see more touchdowns coming his way just because I I don't think Aaron Rodgers will be kept out of the end zone. And it's going to be Alan Lazard receiving most of those because of his large frame. So let's move on to our bus. Absolutely. My first bus, Antonio Gibson, um, going at the 59th player off the board. So the end of the fifth round, he's the RB24. The guy has had eight fumbles in two years, six of them coming last season. Yikes. You can see the commissioners are struggling with him. Uh, the offense will struggle with Carson Wentz as well. So I don't see touchdowns being something that will save Antonio Gibson this season as they seem to have in the past. Um, I get it, Brian Robinson, as tough as it was, as it was to hear, is out um, for an indefinite period. Although it, things are looking up for him. He's been walking around. Uh, he came and visited the uh, team already uh, yesterday, talked to them. Um, he seems to be doing well, and reports are that it could be a shorter recovery than what common consensus is, um, which is a good thing. I think Brian Robinson is a great running back. But, again, it depends on – we don't know, and it depends on how quickly he can be worked back in. But Antonio Gibson will – he'll improve a little bit with Robinson's absence, of course, because I think Robinson was going to be a big thorn in his side. Um, but once he's back, Antonio Gibson out the door with him. I want no part of him. McKissick is going to um, take that receiving down role. Um, he's an exceptional receiving back. Um, Gibson has shown issues with that despite being a receiver in college. Um, so when Robinson's back, it's hard to see if Gibson taking the lead back responsibilities. Robinson's a complete back, and Antonio Gibson has lost trust with his own team. Yeah, I, I mean, just a scary combination. I've tried fading the public. I've always I've pretty much worn Antonio Gibson on my sleeve to this point. He's been an RB1 in each of the first 2 years of his career. Um but when he's working with the third string offense and the new kick return guy, um that's when I lose faith in him as a fantasy pick. Brian Robinson is out. Um I've personally never been shot in the legs before, so I can't tell you how long he's going to be out. Um, but I do agree with you. I don't think it's going to be as long as people think. It's not going to be the whole season. I would say like four to six weeks. Again, I'm not speaking off prior experience whatsoever, um, but I, I I feel like he's going to make a return quicker than we think. He's a warrior out there, and he is the goal line back. And as you mentioned, those fumbles are crucial. Um, that's a big part of the trust between a team and their running back ball security Antonio Gibson lacks it for sure. Exactly. One fumble could potentially be a 14-point swing in favor of your opponent, and he had six. So yeah. that's 84-point swing right there from Antonio Gibson if things worked out as well as they could have for the team recovering the fumble. Especially, um, especially... Not something... Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, wow. well especially in an offense with Carson Wentz um ball security is going to be emphasized they the Washington offense needs every possession they can get in order to hang with their even divisional rivals um Cowboys and the Eagles are two of the best teams in the NFC um I I feel like they're going to lean on their youthful back when he's back and J.D. McKissick is the veteran in there as well. He's a, he's a pass-catching back as well. I see, and I just see Antonio Gibson being phased out. 
um, throughout the season. He might have a great first month of the season, um, but things will not be pretty for him in the long term. Yeah. Okay, I'm doing a running back as well. This is a guy that I started the offseason all in on. Um, you calmed me down a little bit. Uh, Travis Etienne was a guy that I had in my top 14 backs to start the season when I first did projections. He's crashed all the way down to RB30 for me. And it's it's nothing reflecting Travis Etienne's ability with the ball in his hands. He's probably one of the most electric playmakers at this level. Um, we have yet to see him touch the ball in the NFL. But in college, he was a dynamic uh, dual threat back. He could receive it. He could he could rush inside, outside the tackles. He does it all. He's also with his collegiate quarterback. So I understand the upside for Travis Etienne as a player. I am not saying he is a bad running back whatsoever. I think he's going to be super efficient when the ball touches his hands. It's James Robinson. He's ahead of his schedule. Uh, with his Achilles recovery, he tore it in, what, week 14, 15 last year, late in the season. Uh, but, you know, those stem cells do wonders. I mean, modern medicine, what a bitch, you know? I mean, James Robinson mm-hmm. James Robinson is questionable for week one. Um, I don't think he's going to play. Uh, but nonetheless, if he's on par with a week one return, He's going to be cycled in earlier than we thought. I mean, initially, I thought James Robinson was going to be out, uh, start the season on the pup list, uh, miss at least four games. That's not the case. I mean, he's lucky if he misses one. Both are recovering from season-ending injuries. I mean, you got to think ETN, uh, he did have a list Frank injury a year ago that kept him out his entire rookie year. So, obviously, he's been getting more reps throughout training camp than James Robinson, but Doug Peterson and staff have been adamant that James Robinson is the clear-cut starter when he's back. He's their RB1. Um, I I just think ETN's going to be on a pitch count himself uh, in addition to James Robinson. Uh, ETN's pitch count is going to be just as monitored as Robinson's. Uh, I feel like he's a high upside player with receiving capabilities frankly unmatched at the position i am a believer in doug peterson's offense i think he's going to get the best and most out of his players uh nonetheless he's second fiddle to james robinson travis Etienne is and i don't think he sees the volume necessary to be an rb2 right now he's going around rb 18 to 22 uh, i'm out on him this year yeah you and to start the offseason he was your guy <laughs> He was my I, guy. I, it's funny how things have changed. Um, but, yeah, I agree. James Robinson, as much as some people may not like it, is a very good running back. And if the team still has confidence in him after this uh, typically career-ending injury, then why shouldn't we? Um, James Robinson hasn't let us down in the past. Great running back. And he's on par to have an insanely fast recovery, just like Cam Akers did last season, um, tearing his Achilles just before the season started and returning by the playoffs. Um, yeah, modern medicine has made some huge leaps, apparently. Stem cells, uh, it's scary, but it's good for football. Um, James Robinson going far behind Travis Etienne as well. I just think that you're spending way too much. In our Wagner Warzone, we had a guy draft Etienne in the third round. That's right. And I, was, I had, I tried, yeah, it was 
Ryan's I'm sorry, all, Ryan. I almost laughed at you. Ryan's Ryan's <laughs> all over ETN, uh, and frankly, I, I was with him for the longest time. I switched over to the dark side, though. Um, I, I just they're all being. I, I again, I think he's probably one of the best playmakers when the ball's in his hands. It's just how many times is the ball going to be in his hands? You know, um, exactly. Jacksonville has a pretty deep receiving core. They didn't actually. They just traded Lavisca Chenault last week to Carolina. Nonetheless, they bring back Marvin Jones, uh, Dan Arnold, their tight end, and they sign Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram. It's like not a loaded offense, but it's a deep offense, you know. And yeah. uh, you just can't count on the erratic volume that Travis Etienne will see. Flip it over. So I'm gonna move on. To my yep. My next bus, T. Higgins, thirty oh, third uh, wow. player off the board, uh, middle of the third round, um, going as wide receiver twelve. I like T. Higgins. I think he's a great talent, but he's going far too early. He's the first wide receiver to respected to their own offense going off the board, uh, going ahead of guys like Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, um, wide receiver ones for their teams in great offenses. It doesn't make sense to me why people would want to take a wide receiver two above these wide receiver ones that are in potent offenses, especially like a Keenan Allen. Um, I think maybe a round or two later is where T. Higgins should be going. Um, I think that he's an exceptional talent. But the only reason that him and Jamar Chase were good for a short period, good at the same time for a short period of time last year was because Joe Burrow was throwing at an insanely efficient rate. Um, for them to put, for Higgins to put together a season that warrants this high draft capital um, would require hundred more passes from Burrow. Like there's, it doesn't make sense for him to be going this early. There's not enough receiving in this offense to support both Chase and Higgins at the price that they're both going. I think Chase makes sense where he's at. I think Higgins needs to be a little later because he is the wide receiver too in the offense. So not that I don't like Higgins. I think he could have a great season, but you're drafting him definitely at his ceiling right now. And I, I just think you're paying I way too much for a guy. I got I got one question for you because I've I've heard different things coming out of you throughout the off season regarding T Higgins. Yep. So I know T Higgins averaged seven point nine targets per game compared to Chase's seven point five targets per game. T Higgins played in three less games, only had seven less receptions. T Higgins averaged seventy eight yards per game. Jamar Chase eighty six. Um, so that is the case why T Higgins is that high. Here's my question. What are the odds that T. Higgins outperforms Jamar Chase this year? Um, I actually don't think it's that crazy for it to happen. Um, but if he does, that means neither of them had great seasons. Uh, Joe Burrow, to do again what he did last year would be nuts. I, I, it's not happening. Regression's going to happen for Joe Burrow. And to support both these guys, they need to pass a lot more. Um, I, Higgins could outperform Chase. I'm not saying that he it's impossible, but you're drafting both of them so high to finish at where I believe their ceilings are, and one of them's going to miss their ceiling. I and I think it's T Higgins because he is the wide receiver too in the offense, like on paper. I'm not saying I'm negative towards Cincinnati's elite wide receiver duo, but I'm on the same side of the fence as you. I just don't want to draft either of them because I feel like both are so talented. 
Um, I, d I don't see either truthfully outpacing the other by a whole lot. Uh, I, I, I feel like both are adequate options to start for your fantasy team, but I don't want to play this game of odds as to who's who in this offense. Um, I, I think that's what you, I, I believe that's your message in bringing up T Higgins as a bust. Um, it's just not someone that you want to weigh the odds on, on hitting at his ADP um, because he is going as a low end wide receiver one. Um, and he is a wide receiver two in his offense. I, I, too, do not want to play these odds of who's who. Um, I think Jamar Chase is better than him. I think both are top 15 wide receivers. Um, that's their floor. But I'm not sure which one is going to hit the bottom of their floor. And T. Higgins' floor is much lower than Jamar Chase's. Yeah, I, I think that – yeah, I agree. You put that well. Just drafted too high. Okay. One of them is not going to perform where they're being drafted. I'm going to go on my – uh, weekly AJ Brown, anti AJ Brown tirade. Mm -hmm. Who's who, what do we call him here? AJ Bust. Yep, that is damn right. AJ Bust enters Philadelphia's offense. Um, look, I say this every week. AJ AJ Bust. He's not in a great situation. Not as rosy as we think. Philadelphia was one of two teams with less than 500 pass attempts last year. They had the league low 494 pass attempts. Um, I do believe that will rebound, especially with the AJ Brown acquisition. Uh, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read off the stats that I projected out for this Philadelphia offense. So I have them throwing the ball 58 more times, so more than three three more times a game. That'd be a significant jump from last to right around like uh, 20th in the league. Uh, their offensive line is the bread and butter, the strength of this offense. They have a pretty deep running back room. Who'd they just bring in? They brought in a veteran running back. Um, I'm slipping on the name right now. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Hasty. I don't know. Let's see. I'm trying. Oh, Trey Sermon. So even better. Oh. Um, that's irrelevant, though. Their their running back core is deep. They are a run dominant offense. Jalen Hurts is the definition of a dual threat quarterback. Um, he scampers with his legs more than anybody. Um, so I have them throwing 58 more times, despite the rushing attack remaining the identity to this offense. And I have 28 of those go to Smith. Yes. Um, <laughs> quite, quite literally. Um, so it's a deep receiving core. Devonte Smith is entering year two. He had a fabulous rookie year. Um, it's overlooked by Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, but Smith had a hundred four targets. He led the team in all receiving categories. He's an elite wide receiver two in an offense. Um, so I don't believe AJ Brown's going to separate himself. Um, stratified way above Devontae Smith, even though that's how we are projecting them. Quez Watkins, um, Zach Pascal, Jalen Rieger is gone now, but their tight ends, Dallas Goddard, um, their running backs, Kenneth Gainwell, Miles Sanders. A lot of positions are going to demand a lot of volume in this pass game. The tight ends and running backs, um, each position had over 100 targets last year. Um, so you're looking at, that's 
the passing attack rate there gone to non-wide receivers. And then you have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Kez Watkins and Zach Pascal, like I just mentioned. I have A.J. Brown seeing a 22% target share off of 552 pass attempts this year. So he's going to see 123 targets. Um, nowhere near where he's going. I mean, I've been bumping the numbers up for him all offseason long. Um, he's warming up to me. I understand he's a top five talent at the position. But nowhere near um, does he warrant a wide receiver 12 average draft position. He, I project him 76 receptions, 1,050 yards, seven touchdowns. Sounds like a great year, um, but that still doesn't push him in my top 25 wide receivers. He's at wide receiver 26. Yeah. He started out wide receiver 31, so he's warming up to me slightly, but he could you know, turn the stove up all the way with me and I don't think he's reaching his average draft position. I feel like he's going way too early. Um, Philadelphia's offense is a oversaturated, not mess. Um, they're going to be a beast this year. But there's plenty of pieces in this offense. Um, I do expect Jalen Hurts to get better, more accurate. Nonetheless, he really he ranked terribly in true completion percentage, accuracy rating, clean pocket completion percentage. I don't think it's there. I, I don't see in the range of outcomes A.J. Brown approaching top 12 wide receiver territory. I agree. Um, I'd like to say A.J. Brown, obviously an exceptional talent, one of the best receivers in the league. It, the team is built for the run. A.J. Brown will get his games. He'll have great games that seem to warrant this draft capital, but it's too high. He, he's, yeah, you put it well. Your, your stat line for him for the season I think is pretty accurate. He, he, he needs to be going later. It's something I'm scared of. If I can get him later, I'm taking him. But where he's at now, no. Dude, this is our – I'd also like to say – Go ahead. Sorry. How did we go through – neither of us had him on our list here. and We went through a bust episode without bringing up DK Midcap. Oh, I mean, he's on my bust article here uh, released in the <laughs> Winning with Wagme. And I could easily talk about him right here. Um, but I feel like he's getting discredited by the yeah. – the fantasy community already. I don't think I don't think we need to dive into him too much. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I okay. just think it's funny we've hated on him all off season. Let's don't talk about him here. Let's go to your last bust. I mean, we're in minute fifty one of this episode. This is by far the, the longest we've done. Uh we've just missed you guys so much. So if you're still listening, I we appreciate you a lot. Love it all. Um yeah, my last bust, Ezekiel Elliott, uh twenty eighth player off the board, so beginning mid third round RB 15. I'd like to say that I like Zeke. I, before recent developments, I was taking him in a lot of drafts. Uh, I think that he was super undervalued. He's the RB one for one of the best offenses in football, but the line has lost a lot of pieces and Tyron Smith is now injured as well. So with that happening, I'm scared of Zeke. He was lower in efficiency on for the last 12 games of the last season, first five games, he was great. I can't Some people credit that to the injury. I can't believe you're saying Zeke as a bust right now. I really can't. I know. I know. I love Zeke. I do. But it's hard for me to like him with this beat-up offensive line. This season. It's something that he's never had. He's never had a beat-up line. That's a good – It's always been one of the best lines in football. That's a good point perspective that I truthfully – haven't considered a whole lot 
Um, I believe Dallas's offense is a high high octane machine that has always mowed through their op- opposing defense, and I feel like Zeke's a focal point of them, and he's going to continue to secede. Um, but yeah, you're right. He's he's approaching the cliff to his career, and when's that going to happen? It could be this year, or it could be next. We don't know. Exactly. He's 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 getting older and he's never played behind a battle line. It's scary. I still like him, but I'm scared of him, so that's why I'm going to list him as a bust here. My opinion has changed in the last week. Yeah, and I'll leave it at that. And Tony Pollard, um, you yeah. know, his his emergence, he's one of the most electric receiving backs coming out of the backfield. I think he's going to be a he is an integral part to this Dallas offense. Um, he's going to be a focal point this year. He's really electric with the ball in his hands. It's it's just the times the clock is ticking on Zeke. Um, you're right. It could be this year. My last guy, Darren Waller, tight end. Um, one of the best tight ends over the last three, four years in fantasy football. Last year uh, was rough, to say the least. I mean, he saw 19 targets in week one. He looked like he was going to be the tight end one on the year. Rest of the year was very mediocre, to say the least. Um, Him and Derek Carr were not in sync with each other last year. Uh, Carr posted an 88.3 QBR while targeting Waller. That's 22 points lower than the previous year. Look, Devontae Adams is in this offense. Hunter Renfro has emerged as one one of the best slot receivers in the league um laugh at him all you want but he's one of the best red zone receivers he had uh what the sixth or ninth most targets in the red zone he's one of the most elite route runners those two guys i feel like are the top targets for Derek carr in this vegas offense uh darren waller has been absent most of training camp with a quote-unquote hamstring injury it's more like contract negotiations. Um, but those reps are very important, I feel like. He practiced less than five times throughout training camp. Week one is in nine days. Uh, that's the Raiders opening game in nine days. Actually, it might be ten. I feel like they're the Monday night week one. Um, but nonetheless, he's missed in an important chunk of time in a new offense with head coach Josh McDaniels. He is the third receiving option in this offense in my opinion i i just don't i don't see the upside with darren waller Derek carr's not a guy who's going to go out and throw 35 touchdowns this year he'll be lucky his yeah. his career high is 32 i think he'll be able to match that um but there's not enough wealth to spread in the end zone for the best red zone threat in Devonte adams for another uh elite red zone option hunter renfro and Darren Waller to each post uh, six-plus touchdowns this year. I, I'm going to bet against that happening, and I feel like Darren Waller's the odd man out in this triple-headed attack. Last year, he didn't look good. This offseason, he's he's been, either been, quote-unquote, injured or worried about something else. In new offense, I feel like he's falling out of favor in, with the Raiders. I agree with you. I do agree that he's the odd man out. Um, I think it's funny. He's missed a lot of the offseason with a quote-unquote hamstring injury. Um, 
while amidst some contract disagreements. And all of a sudden, this week, he gets a new agent and his hamstrings healed. <laughs> Would you look at that? <laughs> it's almost like the hamstring injury didn't exist. Um, but yeah, too many mouths to feed on this offense. Derek Carr, not known for having a high touchdown upside for a season. I, lots of times he finishes mid-20s. Um, and that's not enough to, to support Devontae Adams, uh, Hunter Renfro. I almost said Hunter Henry. Hunter Renfro, um, Darren Waller, and even, like, Josh Jacobs. Like, they're going to run the ball when they're in the red zone as well. So there's just, yeah, too many mouths to feed. You're paying a lot for Darren Waller. There's tight ends going later that I like more, like Dalton Schultz or even, like, a TJ Hawkinson I prefer. I don't like any. just – I don't like any, but I don't like him or Kittle or even Kyle Pitts or Mark Andrews. I don't like anybody in that. Well, I'm not willing to pay the price for him. Um, I don't like anybody yeah. that at cost in that second to fourth round zone. I again, like you said, I'd I'd rather wait until Cole Komet in the tenth round. Um, he's he's one of the guys I love this year. Uh, so Darren Waller finds himself on my bust list. He's my tight end seven. So it's not like it's drastically terrible, but tight end seven, yeah. frankly, um, you're getting a below average starting tight end for fantasy and you're drafting him as an elite option. Tight end seven isn't necessarily a good thing. Nope. In fantasy football. Let's wrap it up. We're entering minute 58. Uh, follow us on our socials, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, at WagMeFantasy. You can watch our WagMe Warzone draft on our YouTube channel. Um, just go to our webpage, WagMeFantasy.com. Click on the YouTube icon, and it'll take you right there. Subscribe to our newsletter, Winning with WagMe. I'm telling you, folks, it's going to separate you from the pack. What do we call it, Nick? The New York Times of fantasy football. Get it in your head. Amen. We're going to call that until, you know, we get 100,000 subscribers on there, you know. Um, Nick, it's great to be back in here. This feels like a regular episode. I can't wait to get in our in-season coverage. Tuesday nights mm-hmm. is going to be our night. Um, whether that gets out to you Tuesday night directly afterwards or Wednesday at midnight, uh, that is to be determined. Nonetheless, keep your eyes and ears peeled for it. Uh, it's going to get you ready every week. We'll also be reporting Friday morning, a uh, little news report heading into our weekend of fantasy football. Uh, yeah, is there anything else you have to add? Uh, nothing. I am good. Ready for the season. All right. Awesome. Thanks, guys, for listening. We will be with you next time. Bye.